Good to see you guys. Welcome to the Bridge Church. My name is Mark, if we've not yet met. And for those of you that are joining us online, why don't you type in where you're watching from? We'd love to get to know you and are excited that you're joining us as well today. And, uh, and today, guys, is an exciting time. You know, when we kicked off this series, we, we said from the very beginning that if there's one thing that summarizes what God wants for every single person, it's something called freedom, right? And, and today, we're going to have a special guest who is a friend of the British Church, has been a friend for a long time. First spoke here back in 2012, February 2012. Uh, and Joe Sangle is a friend of ours. He wrote a book called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. This has been one of the most powerful tools that we have had to help people find financial freedom. Let me tell you, sometimes it makes a difference between marriage and divorce, right? Sometimes it makes a difference between going to bed at night and having a sense of peace or not being able to sleep. We want everybody to be able to experience the kind of freedom and peace that comes when you learn to do things God's way. So guys, I'm gonna ask you to give our dear friend Joe Sangle a big bridge church welcome as he comes on up and shares with us. That's awesome, thanks pastor. Bridge Church, who's fired up to be at church today? I'm fired up, woo! It's been nine years since I first came here and man, I just revel in the fact that God has continued to move in and through you and I see all the expansion that's taking place and I, I don't know if any of you have ever redone a kitchen before while you were living in it or remodeled a house. Anybody ever done that before? It's a special time, but it's worth it in the end and it's really incredible. Uh, it's just so excited to be able to hear of what God has been doing and be able to come and see it again. Is, and I give great honor to Pastor Mark and the team here. It really is just incredible. I was just sharing with some of the staff. You know, one out of three churches has struggled greatly in the midst of this pandemic. But because of your generosity, this church has been able to continue not only to be able to stay stable, but to progress and move forward. And that is something to give God thanks for. Isn't that incredible? It fires me up. When I was talking to Pastor about preparing for our time together, he said, I we're talking kind of about updating, upgrading. And it caused me to think when I hear those words updating or upgrading, it makes me think of those times in my life when I've been doing life a certain way or using certain tools, and then all of a sudden I saw an upgrade. And man, you didn't even know you needed an upgrade until you saw the new thing, and then all of a sudden, it's like it went straight past need, or straight past want, and it went to need. Like for example, does anybody remember when all of a sudden you could put the Rand McNally away? Have you ever heard Rand McNally in it recently? And you had MapQuest, and you could print out your instructions when you drove places, it was awesome. You didn't have to look at a map, you could print it out and you'd have it down in your lap, papers, right? I don't know if any of you burned through a lot of paper that way and you're looking down, which is not good. And then they came out with a GPS, a TomTom. Anybody remember TomTom? Or a, a Magellan or a Garmin? Who had one of those you put on the, cat, the top of the car and sometimes it'd fall off while you're driving all that stuff, but it was awesome! It would tell you, and it would, it, it, mine was always awesome. It always told me that there was animals. It always told me there was a bear right. Told me to bear right, and I looked, there's never a bear. No, it's a bad joke. It'll get much worse. Anyhow, then one day I realized you could have a GPS on your iPhone, and I had a Blackberry. Ooh. And I was like, I don't need one of those phones. I don't even know what an app is. It doesn't even have a keyboard on it. Anybody remember that? And then I realized I could have a GPS on my phone and I was like, I need an upgrade, it's time to update. 
And who did that? Who went through that same series of things? Anybody do that? That was awesome. And then I had another instance happen where through a miracle of God, a true miracle of God, um, I was able to acquire a business. And it had been struggling. That was one of the reasons I was able to acquire it. And uh, I, I looked at the employee handbook and I realized one of the reasons why the company was struggling is it was outdated and it needed updated. Here's a couple lines that I read that brought a big smile to my face in the employee handbook. It said that employees were not to put a floppy disk of unknown origin into their floppy drive. Some of you are confused, you don't even know what I'm talking about, right? And it's, it was referring to the five and a quarter inch size floppy drives, okay? So don't do that. It also told them that employees were not allowed to make long distance phone calls without permission. Do you remember when it used to cost you money to call someone on the other side of town? Some of us here, my age and older, have wounds in your soul because your parents got onto you for talking too long on long distance. Who here has those wounds on your soul? Jesus, heal them, Lord. You're the great healer, Jehovah Rapha. Okay, some of the younger people watching online, you don't even know what that means. Think about data and spend too much on data. It's similar to that. And then the, 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 another funny one was it said that employees were not allowed to send emails greater than 25 kilobytes in size. Like, that is like the text of like three paragraphs, basically. Isn't that crazy? Like, there's moments when it's obvious we need an upgrade, and other times we don't even know that how we're operating is out of date until suddenly we get exposure to something that is so much better. And it just changes our lives. And today, I'm gonna talk about in this area of stewardship and finances, and I wanna ask the question, is it time for an upgrade? Is it time to update some area of your financial management and your stewardship? And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna share my story. Who likes stories? Anybody like stories, like hearing stories? Like, for example, you know, how, how a couple met and how they fell in love. You know, it's an awesome story, isn't it? Awesome. Like, like my wife and I, you know, I went to Purdue University to study engineering, boiler up, hammer down. And uh, I went there to get a 4.0 all A's in engineering. That immediately got scuttled when my first week in there, I met this Chicago Polish Southsider named Jennifer Lynn Nijakowski, N-I-J-A-K-O-W-S-K-I, and I decided to major in her. And I didn't get a single A in any engineering class. I got a 2.64 GPA that was that high because I got an A in indoor flower arranging. No joke. Be glad I'm not engineering anything. It would break and kill somebody. You know, the Lord delivered me of engineering. But I did graduate with a degree in engineering. I graduated with special honors. Some people graduated magna cum laude and summa cum laude. I graduated with lesser known honors called thank the laude and got out of there. It's a miracle I graduated. But anyhow, uh, I will just say this, that I had this issue with my finances in that we never had money growing up. I think that's common for most of us that, that are watching today online, you're in this room, most of us have been broke at least once in our life. If that's true, say yes. Okay, and so most of us don't start with a trust fund. If you have, man, the Lord bless you and keep you, that is awesome. I had five older brothers, so we didn't have anything like we called extra money laying around. My mother and father had four boys. They really wanted a daughter, so when the youngest boy, the fourth boy, was about five years old, they tried one more time, and my mother was going in labor to deliver this fifth and prayed for daughter. 
It was March 31st, about 10 o'clock at night. What's the day after March 31st? April Fool's Day, this is relevant to this story. So my mother's in labor, the nurse is checking on the womb with the stethoscope, that's how they checked on babies back then. And she got this puzzled look and raced out and got a doctor and said, I think there's something wrong with this baby's heartbeat. And the doctor listened and he broke into a broad smile and said, there's nothing wrong with the baby's heartbeats, there's two of them. And my mother said what I think any mother said, would say at that moment, she said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That is a terrible April Fool's Day joke. I am going to have one baby, I'll have you know, it better be a girl or I'm sending it back. I've witnessed as she said that. And uh, about a, the doctor smiled and said, I don't know about the boy or girl part, but there's two of them, get ready. And an hour later, an hour before April Fool's Day, my identical twin brother was born. And seven minutes later, I was born. Yes. My mother didn't cheer. Um, she cried. Uh, she said, the Lord has spoken. If we try for a daughter again, we're gonna have triplet boys. So we are like done with this. And the next morning in Indiana, where I was born just south of Indianapolis, um, they had a tornado and an earthquake. And my mother felt like she lived in a continuing earthquake and tornado for the next many years with six boys in the house. And so I'm the baby of the family. It's one reason I'm loud. Uh, but as you can imagine, six boys, we didn't have a lot of extra money. Any extra money was wasted you know, on healthcare, because when you get boys together, the collective IQ decreases to about a hat size. And they say things like, hey y'all, watch this. And you get medical bills. Anybody witnesses to that? Yeah. And my brother threw it, my oldest brother threw a hammer in there and watched it come down and hit him in his own face. It was awesome. But anyhow, we didn't have any money. And so we, we didn't run out of food because my dad quickly realized that he could put us to work growing large gardens. I don't know if you've ever been blessed to grow gardens, but I was, as a child, blessed. Um, my mother would ruin my life. She would not consult with me. She would not ask me if this would fit my schedule, and she would announce that it was green bean picking day. I don't know if anybody's been blessed with green bean picking day, but it would ruin your day. You'd, get, you'd have to pick green beans, and you hated every one of them because you knew you'd revisit all of them later to snap them. And we'd put up over 100 quarts of green beans a day. Yeah. And we'd have green beans about every meal. How do you want your eggs at breakfast? Over medium fried. Well, here's a scoop of green beans. Get fired up. And so we didn't lack for food, but we didn't have extra money. And so my journey with money began when I went to college. And, and so here's the story. My first weekend at Purdue, I'm the youngest to go to school. I didn't know how I'd afford school. Uh, my guidance counselor kept saying, your older brothers didn't go to school, but you two are going to college. And I'm like, I can't even afford the $25 application fee. And one day he was so smiley, and Mr. Ferris, he said, he said to me, here's a free one to Purdue University. You can afford free. Fill it out right now. And I gave long thought to it. I said, uh, what jobs are needed? Which ones pay money? I would like to make money. And he said, well, three of the top five jobs they say they need in the next five years is engineering. So I applied to engineering school, got accepted in seven days, and I, I, I didn't know how to pay for school. And then I finally found this girl who would pay for it for me. Get fired up. And I began a long-term relationship. Her name was Sally May, student loan company. It's a, anybody know Sally May or her direct cousins, federal direct loan, Nelnet, Great Lakes Servicing? We can list them. It's, it's not funny when you're paying it. Uh, but I financed all my college education. My first week in there, they said they'd give me free stuff if I'd fill out some credit card applications. 
So I filled them all out. What's your name? Joseph Single. What is your income? Zero dollars. What is your job? I do not have one. And just for that 40 seconds, I got a free two liter of Coca-Cola. Yes. Which is better than Pepsi. They're both great, but Coke is the best. And I'll fight you on this. A Coke at McDonald's is the best Coke in the world. Who's with me? Yeah. It's got a big straw made out of plastic. And when you take a drink, it'll like bite you. It is awesome. Anyhow, uh, I, I f- fell off the message here for a second, but anyhow, it is awesome. And, and so, so anyhow, I end up at Purdue. I'm financing my college of student loans. I fill out these credit card applications. I got two others. I got a free T-shirt from AT&T that advertised a long-distance service and a duffel bag from American Express. And even though I admitted truthfully on paper that I had no money and no job, a week later, they sent me a credit card. And the next day, I practiced with it. I was good at it. And I, I should have employed that wisdom in that kid's show, Swiper, no swiping. Come on, Vamanos, everybody, let's go. But I started swiping, and I graduated in four years with this degree in mechanical engineering, and I had tens of thousands of dollars in student loan debt, thousands of dollars in credit card debt, and I found out I had a spiritual gift of making money disappear rapidly. Anybody here have that gift? Any spenders in the house? Oh yeah, some savers are lifting their spenders hand for them. It is awesome. But anyhow, I continued my spree and streak of spending money. I'd been driving a car that had caught on fire not once but twice while in college. I needed a different car, but I wanted a new car. And because I couldn't fire my wanter, I bought a brand new car. $359.96 a month, I had a new car. And then I moved to South Carolina with a job transfer, and uh, I found a lost book of the Bible, first book of Hesitations, chapter three, verse two, says every guy in the South needs a pickup truck. I made that up. But I bought one, 100% financing. I asked my college sweetheart to marry me. She said yes. I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding, and the honeymoon to Jamaica, all on the credit card. And then we wanted a house, we somehow got a down payment put together, bought a house, and we bought furniture. Guess how we bought the furniture? Based on my track record, do you think I paid cash money? Absolutely not. 24 months, same as cash, I had some furniture. Whew. We need to breathe after that, right? There's not one person right now saying, I perceive this guy to be a financial genius. In fact, you're saying, bless his heart, help him, Jesus. And I needed his help. And I share that story to tell you that I'm gonna share the rest of the testimony. You know, when you pass a test, you get a testimony. That's the benefit of passing the test. And today I'm gonna tell you how the Lord delivered me of that. And I'm here to tell you that I am no one different than you. God loves you as much as he loves me. And God wants to see the vision for your life fully funded. And it starts my journey with getting this turnabout in my life started not with a money decision. It was a decision that affected my money and the rest of my life. And that was to truly seek God's call for my life. That should be for you. You should seek and know God's will for your life. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what that is right now? Do you know God's will for your life? As you're watching online, do you know it? Do you know God's will for your life? His good, perfect, and pleasing will? You see, if you do not know it, and let's be honest, there are moments in time in our life where we know it, and then those seasons can fade, 
And there's a new moment where we're realizing, hey, there's a next, isn't there? And we don't like not knowing, but that's where trusting God comes into play. But, but my, my passionate plea for you is to seek God's will for your life. Because when you have that, all the money decisions will fall in line with his word. In fact, there's a great passage of scripture that will help you constantly know God's will for your life. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's read it. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. I'm so glad it says living, right? And it says this. It says, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then here's the big word. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I remember being in the midst of this mess and I was pursuing my plan for my life, not God's will for my life. You know, I got this job in corporate America and I realized that somebody was at the top making decisions and I decided that if somebody's making decisions, it might as well be me. So I started pursuing becoming the CEO of a corporate publicly traded company and I was on my way. I, I got this degree in engineering from Purdue. I went to Clemson University, go Tigers, and got my MBA. I became a Six Sigma black belt certified. I don't know if anybody knows what that is. And then I, got, I became a lean specialist and I got all these certifications and leadership training and I was on my way. And then I realized I had not sought God's will for my life. And I realized that I'm gonna achieve this dream and I'm still not gonna be happy because I was pursuing my dream, not God's will. And all of a sudden I saw this passage of scripture in Romans 12, one and two, and I realized there's three things that you must do to know God's will for your life. Let's put the scripture up there and look at it again. The first thing it says, you're to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Are you willing to do that? Many of you have done that. It's saying where you exchange your plans, hopes, and dreams for God's plans, hopes, and dreams. That you hold your life with open hands saying, Lord, wherever you call me, whatever you call me to do, I will do it. For some of us to be bricklayers. For others, it's to be ditch diggers. For some of us to be truck drivers. Some of us, it is ministry or missions. But whatever God calls you to do, that is his will for your life. A living sacrifice. The second thing is, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You know what the pattern of this world is, right? Greed, all about number one, it's all for me, right? Is that what it is? And think about it. We saw this on full display at the start of the pandemic. What happened to toilet paper? What happened to hand sanitizer? There's people right now with 21 years worth of toilet paper and hand sanitizer in their house. Why? Because you are either a giver or you're what? A taker. And the pattern of this world is to be a taker. To say, I'm gonna get as much as I can, I'm gonna hoard it, I know I don't need this for the next 10, 21 years, but I'm gonna take it all for me. And we take away from those who need. And so the pattern of this world is all of that. The pattern of the Lord is selfless, generous, serving others. And then it says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That happens through reading of God's word, through prayer, through fasting. And when those three things happen, 
You offer your bodies with, uh, live, uh, with open hands as a living sacrifice. You don't conform to the pattern of this world. And you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Watch that. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you know what that is for you? Because that is the thing that will drive wise money decisions. And what I found is that when you're in the middle of God's will, you're fired up about whatever it is. It may not be easy, it may be difficult, but you'll wake up on Monday morning, 4 a.m. You don't have to be at work till eight, but you're fired up and you leave early. It's only a 15 minute ride, but you leave two hours early. You go 35 miles an hour over the speed limit, run over three people, you screech in sideways to the parking lot, you forget to turn off the car because you cannot wait to get in there. You love your job. Who here loves your job? All church staff has to raise their hands. Who doesn't like that person, right? But I'm not saying you're gonna be ridiculous like that, but here's what I know. Even if the call is difficult, you'll have the peace that passes all understanding to do it. And let me tell you, that's what happened for me is I felt God calling me to go, for me to go into ministry, to go on full-time staff at a church I'd help start. And I had to give up my dream for God's dream. A, a, a calling that I did not ask for, but God had invited me to. I had to give up the climbing of the promotional ladder, income, to go to a, a ministry job where, I don't know if you know, but you don't go into ministry you know, for the pay raise. I mean, I know there's a couple exceptions of a couple pastors. Most does not apply. And as a result, I got to negotiate myself a 50% pay cut. Get fired up. I'm laying up my treasure in heaven. But God wasn't calling me to poverty. He was calling me to prosper, but with less. The greedy prayer that has invaded the American church is that God's blessing only means more. But sometimes God's calling us to get these finances in order so we can still prosper, but with less. That's a word for somebody today. And that was the word for me as I realized because of all this debt I had ran up, I could not survive on less income. And so I realized I needed to go through a financial transformation to get rid of this debt. I started reading the greatest money book ever written. Guess what that is? The Bible. It has over 2,000 scriptures on money and possessions. It talks more about the topic of money than it does the topics of love, hope, and prayer combined. Because God knew we would all deal with this challenge. In fact, of the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of six verses talks about money or possessions. And there's parables that Jesus shares in there. They're in red letters in my Bible. There's 38 stories there. They're called parables. 17 of those, nearly half, Jesus used money or possessions as the object lesson for the spiritual point because he knew we would comprehend it. And so I started reading this stuff and I read these verses about getting out of debt and all of a sudden I saw transformation start taking place because I knew where God was calling me. And I, did, I didn't really wanna do this, but all of a sudden um, my bride came in and she, it was a Sunday afternoon, I'll never forget it. It was in 2003, I was watching my beloved Chicago Cubs lose another baseball game because that's their habit. They've had a couple lucky years recently, but. Usually April 1st is when they're mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, and uh, that's funny. But anyhow, I was sleeping, taking a nap, trying to watch this baseball game, and my bride came in and she said, hey Joseph, what do you think of this budget? 
And I immediately, as a spender, did what every spender should do. I shrank back from it. And I immediately burst into poetry. I said, that budget makes me say, no, my name is Joe. That interrupts my flow, so it's got to go. She did not laugh, but she was cute. So I decided to look at it. And I realized it balanced to exactly zero. And all of a sudden, I realized, my engineer's heart realized it could be an Excel spreadsheet. Yes. I put together this Excel spreadsheet, and then we did something crazy. We followed the budget. And all it did was change my life forever. That moment, an ordinary moment, on an ordinary Sunday afternoon, God intersected my life and changed it forever. You know, for some reason, brides, they get cuts in line to the Holy Spirit. It's not fair. My wife doesn't need to know all the math. I just have to ask her. If she says, yes, it is blessed of the Lord. It's just unfair. But I just wanna share you know, what helped me today is during that moment, we were asking ourselves two questions. I want you to ask yourself these two questions and see what your answer is. Don't answer this out loud. And you don't have to comment on Facebook, right? Watch this. Here's the two questions I ask. Ask yourself these two questions. If I keep managing money the way I am right now, will any of my God-given dreams be funded? The second question was, Am I managing this money in a way that truly honors God? I didn't like my answer to either of those questions. And it is in that moment that I began reading God's word and I ran across this passage from Jesus. It's in his words, red letters in my Bible in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30. It says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. You wanna do something great. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost that says he, if he has enough what? Money, we're on the right topic to complete it. For if he lays the foundation, is not able to finish it. Everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this fellow, this person began to build, but was unable to finish. And I want you to be able to finish whatever God has called you to do. I want you to find God's will for your life, to go through that transforming process, and then be able to see it funded. And as, we, as I wrap up in the final 10 minutes or so of the message, I wanna share with you what God revealed to me that we've employed since that July day in 2003 has changed our life for the last 18 years. And it's a four part, six word plan. The first word is give. Everybody say give. Giving is such an important and essential part of our Christian walk that we serve, we're creating the image of God. He's the greatest giver ever. He gave his one and only son that we might be able to be given the free gift of salvation that we might be able to have life that is truly life. And that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And I realized that even in my math, giving didn't work. Let's, I don't know if you've ever tried to teach God about math. Have you ever tried this? Right, let me tell you how this rolls. God, I am broke. It's your fault, I need more income. Have you ever tried that? And he's like, look at what you've done with what I've given you. Okay, then, then in a sec, God, now, now I'm broke with 100%. Now check this, you want me to give the tithe, the first fruits, first, 10% off the top. You want me to give that, so God, check this out, 100% minus 10% means I'm gonna have 90% left. God, and I can't make it on 100%. How in the world am I gonna make it on 90%? Has anybody ever been there? 
Come on, let's be honest. And all God said was just test me. In fact, it says in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And I realized that in my brokenness, I wanted to be a giver. We're all, we all wanna be givers. But I discovered that if I'm broke, I can't give very much. I can't attend to the needs of the widow, the orphan to expand God's kingdom if I'm broke. And I realized that all of my decisions, all of my debt decisions, the things that had pledged away my money, not one of them have I sought God to make that decision. And I realized that my tithe, it was just going off to the car company. I should have had a bumper sticker saying I'm driving God's tithe. I did it twice. And that moment, we put tithe in the budget. And the second word is save. Everybody say save. Save, I realize you have to save money. You cannot prosper if you do not save. How many of you recognize life is gonna happen and it's gonna cost you money? You recognize that? I mean, listen, and how many recognize that when you don't have money, that's when more of life happens that costs money. It just attracts all that stuff. And, and like, is the roof gonna leak? Only when it rains. Is the appliance gonna die? Is the car gonna break down? Is the car gonna make a sound? And you say what you've said 17 times in a row. I rebuke that sound in the name of Jesus. And you turn up the radio so you don't hear it. I've seen people with lights on their dash and they just put a post-it note over it. For real. And after 17 times, Jesus is looking at your car and saying, even I cannot heal this car. You're gonna have to spend money. And I realized you must save money for, for those unplanned, unexpected things. And when you have margin, it allows you to stay focused on your mission. Proverbs 21.20 says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and olive oil, but fools, they gulp theirs down, they consume it all. In fact, I, I remember being taught about this, this thing called margin. Um, I learned it early on in English class. I don't know if anybody remember your English teacher's name. My, my English teacher was so old, she knew Moses personally when he was a teenager. I mean, she'd been around a long time. Her name was Miss Ruby Nay, incredible teacher. And every now and then she had ruined my life by assigning us a two-page writing assignment. Who in the world could write two pages about anything, right? And she would say, write. She would, we had to handwrite it. And not type it on a computer, write it. And write legibly. And she'd say, now be careful not to write in the outside of the paper, the margins. What is the margins on the paper? It's space, isn't it? And that's what margin does for you. That's what savings does for you. It creates space between you and the enemy. And hear me clearly, the enemy wants to keep you broke. If he can keep you broke, he can keep you selfish instead of selfless. He can keep you self-focused instead of generous. And one way to beat back Satan is to build savings. You're gonna have to fight for it. You're gonna have to protect it. But when you get margin, you can stay focused on your mission. You gotta give, gotta save. The third word is invest. Everybody say invest. When you invest, you can expect a harvest. And it'll rhyme if you say it right. In Proverbs 13, 11 says, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Has anybody ever seen these compound interest calculations that say if you invest this little bit over time, it'll be a huge amount later? You know the farmer knows this to be true at, every year. Think about the farmer in the springtime 
You know, there's, they, let's say he really wants an amazing harvest this year and he's, he's a Christ follower and he decides to go on a 21 day period of prayer and fasting, you know, praying for that. And at the end of those 21 days, he has fasted a lot, he is hungry, he's standing at the edge of the field and said, Lord, I love you. I have fasted and prayed for 21 days. Lord, I pray for an abundant harvest this fall. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not gonna plant any seed. What would the farmer get if they didn't plant seed? Weeds. Don't miss it. I meet lots of people because I'm called to help people win with their money God's way and they're praying for an abundant harvest. It is a sincere prayer. They have a calling on their life. It's gonna cost money to start a business, whatever it might be. And I ask them, how much are you investing? And they're like, I'm not investing. I'm like, wait a minute, you have a 401k, right? Yeah, uh, you get a company match, right? Well, I can't afford to do that, so I don't do that. And I look at them and say, you do not know the principle of sowing and reaping. You have a better chance of discovering a magical unicorn in your backyard than you do of getting any harvest if you do not put seed in the ground. If you wanna prosper, you must invest. I'll never forget, uh, God had worked this transforming thing in my finances and I felt this call to go help people and I started scribbling words down in a blog and it was kind of popular and so I, decided, I felt God say it needs to be a book and so I pitched it to a bunch of publishers and uh, they all universally agreed that it should not be published. They all said, no. But you know what, when God has called you to do something, you know what no stands for? Next opportunity. And so I Googled, that's how everybody becomes an expert these days. I Googled, how do you self-publish a book? And I follow the process. I got my Library of Congress catalog number, the LCCN number. I got my ASBN EAN barcode. I got my Library of Congress copyright. And I had a book and I released it January 20th, 2008. Is there a better time to release a book about personal finances than January of 2008? When 401Ks had turned into a 201K and then into a box of special K. Can I get a witness? And I bought because I was investing in the dream God had given me, I bought 3,000 copies of books and put them in the middle of my living room. My wife burst into King James English. Why hast thou put thy books in my living room? And I said, because we know what the Lord has promised us. And I want us all as a family to see God deliver on the promise. That, my friends, was over $3 million worth of that book ago. Let me tell you something. When you invest, even if it's a small amount, that is what God can use. And he can show up and give you the abundant harvest. That's why I urge you, yes, give. That causes spiritual investment. That's why the bridge has grown because you have been so generous and God has blessed that with an abundant spiritual harvest. You must save, you must invest, and the third, last three words, the fourth thing is to plan the rest. You have to plan the rest. Proverbs 21.5 says that the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. We all want profit, don't we? And when we look at that verse there, it says two things yield profit. Gotta have a plan, gotta be diligent to follow the plan. You need a plan for your life. Go through that Romans 12, one and two process. I urge you this week, meditate on those words. Are you offering your body with 
open hands as a living sacrifice? Holy and pleasing to the Lord? Are you conforming to the pattern of this world or are you not conforming with it? Be a non-conformist. And are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind? When you do that, then you can give, you can save, you can invest, you can plan the rest. Let me tell you, friends, that is how God showed up and showed out in my life, and he can do the same for you. Do you believe it today? I can't wait to see what God is going to do in your life. I get to sit here today, 18 years after my beloved bride walked in, ordinary moment, ordinary day, life transforming. Maybe today is that day for you. Do today what 18 years from now you'll look back and say, we're so glad we did that back then. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for every single life that is represented here. God, I pray today that we would recognize the untapped potential, the opportunity that could be taken advantage of. Lord, if we would truly surrender our lives to you as a living sacrifice. God, it is hard for us to do it. We live in a wor world that is all about themselves. God, today, may we be vessels poured out for you. Jesus, we thank you that you died for us in an ultimate act of generosity so that we might be able to be given that unmerited, favorable gift of salvation. Jesus, we pray that you will be with us every step of our lives. And Lord, may we be found to be honoring of you with every step that we take. And we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today. And if our ministry has been a source of encouragement for you, let me encourage you to do two things. Number one, share it with a friend who needs hope. That would make a big difference in their life. Secondly, share it with us. We would love to hear your story. You can send us an email at amen at bridgechurchfl.com. And finally, if you'd like to partner with us financially as we bring hope both locally and around the world, you can do that directly through our website, bridgechurchfl.com forward slash give. And thank you for letting us be a part of your spiritual journey.